testimonies and the goodness of the Lord, 2 Corinthians. Amen. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. And uh, hope I can get to some of that. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. We have um, gotten down a few verses here. We've begun in verse number 1. The more I, I probably at some point re-outline this chapter or add another outline to it. Either way, um, <clears throat> because I, I'm more convinced that and what the purpose in his writing here to the church at Corinth uh, is an exhortation uh, for us to not lose sight of our purpose. And all that surrounds that thought is really, the thought is pretty constant in don't faint in this gospel ministry. And that's what he's exhorting them to do. I find that seems to be one of the first things that will go in our Christian life is trying to witness and be a help to others. When you get down, you get depressed, you get busy, uh, you allow other things into your life and uh, you will get to a place where you once were as one little lady that was telling me how she got saved recently. Uh, her mom and dad said they couldn't even, when she was walking around Walmart, telling every person in the store how God had saved her. Now, you and I were the same way, were we not? When God saved, I don't even care if you're older, you wanted to tell everybody about what God had done in your life. And you weren't ashamed of nothing. You just thought everybody wanted Jesus. And then you slowly learned that they did not. Even ones that went to church didn't so much want to hear about it. But nonetheless, uh, you can't let things like that get you down and stop telling the world about Jesus. That's our purpose that he gives us in verse number one. Our purpose is this ministry that we have. And then in verse number two, the purity uh, in our cause and conduct and creed. We see the predicament. Uh, that we are in and that they are in in verse 4 and verse 5 we see our proclamation uh, which is our message this gospel this truth is preaching not ourselves that's not going to help anybody uh, in fact you want to discourage people get them looking at you right that's if you want to build a cult that might work for a time until you all end up on an island dead together but if you want to bring glory to God, preach Jesus, right? And so you can't let your own, uh, your own character and things you feel about yourself and uh, your inadequacies and all of those various things that come into your mind, you can't let that also uh, stop you from telling others because you're not telling them about you. You're telling them about Jesus, right? So, and we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, not merely the Savior, Right? But Christ Jesus, the Lord. He is the Lord. I like that, don't you? It's all lordship salvation. Well, I believe in lordship salvation, uh, just not the way that others want to try to define it for me. But when you come to Christ, he is Lord, right? And you don't make him that. He already is that, and you submit to it. Okay? 
Everybody okay? Good. So we're preaching not ourselves, but we're preaching Christ Jesus the Lord. I, uh, there's a man, I can't remember his name, Brother Ben would probably know, he's very famous for laying out these titles of the Lord, and he uh, expounds greatly upon Christ and Jesus and Lord. Um, but uh, anyhow, that's a good study later on. So Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. And Lord, please help us to do that. We need to be that in all facets of our life. We need to remember Christ left us here to be servants, right? And the servant's not greater than the master. So don't be shocked when you suffer persecution because they hated Jesus. They hate you too, right? And you're not greater than he and in fact, he even warned you and said, Woe unto him whom all, all men think well of, right? Uh, be skittish of people that uh, everybody loves a, a great deal, right? And said, Woe unto them. Uh, but so we're not greater than our master. We're going to suffer and we're going to be suffering servants of Christ who was a suffering servant. And so we see our proclamation in the verse number six. We see our, look at my page here, our participation uh, in verse number six, for God who commanded the light. I'm in Second Corinthians chapter four, verse number six, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's verse. Just a man could preach that for a long time. Uh, in this creator God of heaven that commands things as out of nothing and the worlds are framed by the word of God and the things that appear are not made of things that are seen, right? So uh, that's an allusion to this creator God of heaven that commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. And we stopped there uh, this morning. So we'll pick up in verse number six um, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus, which is uh, again referencing uh, Christ who is is the image of God that we saw in verse number four. Uh, Christ is the light, right? He wants to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. How are you going to see that? Hebrews, uh, same thing Hebrews said, the expressed image of his person and the brightness of his glory, right? And we saw that in chapter three, not the shadow, but the very image of God, Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that's who lost people need to see, Right? And so he is uh, giving us and reminding us that we also have participated or partook of this same gospel message when God commanded the light to shine out of darkness and shined into your heart and gave you the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus, right? And so now we're to do the same exact thing and give this world the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, but it'll have to be seen in the face of Jesus Christ, right? No wonder a lot of people don't want to have nothing to do with church and they look at the church and say, well, all them church people, well, they're right. Are they not? A lot of us have made a mess of things and we, we probably mistreated people and done things. The problem is that wherever you find people, you're going to find problems. What you're going to have to see is past the church people. You're going to have to see God in the face of Jesus, Right? Amen. Amen. And so the world needs to see and they need to partake of what you and I did. We've participated 
in this very thing. And so we see our participation. And in verse number seven, let's look at our power and move forward. So, but we have this treasure, brother, being mentioned already. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And he's going to go on and expound from this thought here and given an understanding of something. Now, again, if we keep in our mind what he's trying to exhort the church, what he is exhorting the church to do is exhorting them not to faint in the ministry, right? Having received mercy, we faint not. And so we're, we, we, uh, if you're going to exhort folks not to fame, uh, he reminds them of several things. This is why I said I'd re-outline it in some ways because if that being kind of the subject of what he's dealing with, uh, he goes. We, he began in chapter 3 and showed how much better of what we've seen in the glory of the face of Christ as opposed to what Moses saw when he saw the shadow of him, that the figure, the, the end of the law that was established there to be done away, who's to be done away. Uh, and so he goes on and deals with all those things. And then he says, hey, you've received mercy, so don't faint, right? They need mercy. God's been merciful to you. And then he said, God shined in your heart the glory of God in the face of Jesus. To give light of that, God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, right? And so then he comes down and he says, what else, what else could get a man uh, to possibly fainting? And then he starts to deal uh, with the, the matter of these trials and these afflictions. And, and uh, God helped me not to ever preach in a matter to make light of suffering of people. I want you to understand, I don't want to be uh, um, taken as though I'm making light of the sufferings of this present time. They're very real. They're very dangerous. They're very powerful. Our enemy is powerful, is he not? And uh, the things you suffer are very uh, um, uh, damaging to you. They're very difficult for the flesh to get through. There's, there's hurt. And, and I'm going to tell you, if you didn't love people, it wouldn't hurt near as much. But when it comes from people that you love dearly, it hurts deeply. Right? And so I understand those kind of things as a man and, uh, and, and from one flesh to another. I understand pain and hurt and wanting to faint and quit and give up. We're all worth giving up on. If we're going to look at it that way, right? Uh, but uh, let's look at it eternally. Let's look at it through the eyes of Christ and let's see it through the mouth of Paul by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So then he, he comes through there and then verses and he, we get our participation in so that God commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in your heart, right? And gave the light. You remember when you got saved and God turned the light on, so to speak. And you saw Jesus like you never saw him before. I've heard Jesus preach that he died for your sins and buried rose again. And But I'm telling you, 13 years ago on a Saturday night, there was a light that got switched on and God enabled me, allowed me, illuminated me, whatever you want to call it, to see Jesus in a way I had never seen him before because I had come to the end of myself, right? I had seen the end of myself. God let me see Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? How'd you see him? By faith, by faith. And it's been that way ever since. Every time I open the Bible, it's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Or it's, oh me, God help me. It's one of the two. But uh, it's usually sometimes a little more than the other. But let's just go on. All right, so, so he comes down through there and he said, God's done this for you and God's, God's exhorting us. If you look at it, he doesn't take this idea of, of uh, shame on you for fainting. How dare you, you sorry, low down, good for nothing. 
Thank the Lord he doesn't. So he comes down. This is the Holy Ghost when I say he, right? Paul's the dependent. So God himself is exhorting us not to faint. We got to get the gospel out. He's entrusted us with this ministry. And then he comes down to this verse and says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What treasure? Now, at, at one time, I thought he was talking about the treasure of the gospel. Talking about him entrusting us with that treasure of giving that, that ministry of reconciliation that he's entrusted us with. It's the gospel, right? The truth. And it could be, I wouldn't argue with anybody with that, but I think it's following up on the heels of the verse that it just said that the God who's commanded light shine darkness has shined in our hearts <laughs> to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And I think what he's saying here, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is this? I think it's that Christ Jesus, the very image of God, we have in earthen vessels. So we have this great treasure. Now that doesn't disconnect the gospel from that in any sense of the way, but I think it following up on the heels of that verse and it's, it's leading more to that and it's probably both. But uh, here's what he's laying out now. Okay, so uh, he's exhorting us not to faint. That's what his mind is. And not to faint as in quit coming to church faithfully. Not to faint tithing. Not to faint giving to missions. He's talking about don't faint and getting out the gospel, right? Okay, so he comes in and says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And you think, well, I understand that. What all is he talking about here? Well, the next part of the verse says what? That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So what he's going to start dealing with now is something that all of us are able to do, and that's faint in afflictions and trials and heartaches of this life. Because they're real. He's going to deal with emotions and problems and things that happen. He's going to talk about problems and perplexings. There's all kinds of things he's fixing to lay out. And that's going to say, look, I suffered them too. Remember when he, he said earlier, he said, you have a salvation that's effectual to the enduring of the same afflictions which we also suffer. He's exhorting them, look, it wasn't I. I've labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which is with me. He's encouraging his people. When you feel like giving up and giving in, if you do that, it's hid to them that are lost. Let alone what you're going to suffer at the judgment seat. Get a bigger picture. Get your eyes off yourself. What you're going to do is effectually cause the ones that are lost and in darkness not to be able to see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So you have that treasure in earthen vessels. Now, why does God want to keep your flesh in weakness? It's obvious, right? That's where Paul come to a place where, therefore, I'd rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, this is going to be easy, good for me to lose my breath preaching. Uh, but don't call me tomorrow about how well I'm doing living it, okay? But I'm going to preach it to you. And... Uh, I pray God help me to live it. But this is hard living. This is difficult living. That the excellency of the power, God has a purpose in allowing you to suffer and be in weakness in your flesh. God put the treasure of heaven in earthen vessels for one single purpose. That the excellency of the power may be of God. 
So when you go through the world and you're giving out the gospel and you're suffering and you're in heartache and you've been mistreated, you've been lied upon, you've been, uh, you've been abandoned, you've been mistreated. I mean, all those things that you suffer physically. Kidney stones. I knew I'd get one amen. Some of you are suffering in here tonight, all kinds of health problems. You're as weak physically speaking. And so when we go out and we face the world and we in on earthen vessels, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And we go out of the world and we tell the world about Jesus and the power of God and the salvation. Anybody that will believe it, that, that, that help keeps the glory in the right place. My glory I won't share with anybody. So it's not because I'm strong and I'm good looking. It's not because Cam's good looking. You're not even strong. I have to use both of you. No, 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 no. I was saying that in a general sense, okay? So it won't be because I'm such a great Christian. It won't be because, man, I, all the things that I've done, look at all these people and how they got saved. And, and look at, and look at um, when I preached or when I gave out the gospel, this man at work uh, 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 got saved. It's not because you, uh, uh, you're such a powerful Christian, as one man would like to say, such a powerhouse for God. The powerhouses for God are as frail and weak and alone and nearly anemic. I mean, I'm telling you, they're, uh, spiritually speaking, uh, they're some of the weakest people as far as the world's concerned. And so the world looks at us and they say, how in the world are those people full of joy and they're full of happiness and gladness and rejoicing in their heart? How are they doing that when all they do is suffer troubles on every side? They're perplexed but not in despair. All the things they're suffering so that they can turn and give glory to God and not you. Right? <laughs> Brother Ben, <laughs> Brother Ben, I, I've heard more compliments about Brother Ben and this preacher. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and uh, it's not because uh, Ben can bench press a, a big, large amount, is it, Brother Ben? I mean, physically speaking, you're about as weak as you've ever been, aren't you? <laughs> I just besought the Lord thrice to depart from me. But Paul figured something out, that when I'm weak, he's strong. And so I want to exhort you a few things here. We're going to look at it. But I want to exhort you about something. So the idea here is not to faint in the ministry of seeing sinners reconciled to God. Don't quit in doing that. Don't faint. Don't give up. Um, because uh, you say, well, why am I suffering like I am? Why am I hurting like I am? There's a design to deprivation and there's a design to suffering. And you're suffering and your flesh is in weakness so that the excellency of the power may be of God. <laughs> no, so nobody can look at you and say, and you stand there and say, yeah, you know what? I did do pretty good, didn't I? <laughs> no, any honest man God's ever used, uh, was it Raven Hill or Tozer said, for God ever used a man greatly, he has to hurt him deeply. And I believe that with all my heart. God literally crushes a man and everything that, that, everything about him. God's going to crush everything there is about you so that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of yourself. Not with the wisdom of men's words, right? 
And so there's a design in it. So you sit there and we always think, you know, and I've heard many good messages and this is an attempt to do that. I'm just dealing with it in this context. This is an attempt to explain why good people suffer. Uh, There's a lot about that. Your preacher don't even know. I don't understand why God does some of the things that he does. I'm not going to make excuses for him or tend to explain it. That's God's business. I don't know why he does that. I don't know why he allows what he does. I just don't. There's some questions in my mind. I just don't, but he don't know me an answer, right? That the excellency of the power may be of God. And so are we, are we willing uh, to be able to continue on and suffer? You know what some people do? I've been trying to give out the gospel. I've been trying to be faithful and trying to be a good witness of Jesus. Nobody's listening. I'm discouraged. There's no response in it. And here I go through another trial. And it seems like every time I turn around, it's nothing but heartache and opposition on every side. And then on top of that, I get so sick. I can barely do anything. I'm just so weak. I'm having to suffer all the time. That's the design of God. I don't understand all of it, but I tell you there's a purpose of it that if you'll just stay on faithful and give the gospel out faithfully that God can get glory through your life no matter how much you suffer. There's a design in what he's doing in our life. Me, you and I do it. You see a Christian that's suffering, going through things, boy, they just unimaginable things. And uh, how they're able to just stay faithful and keep on going. Doesn't that encourage you? I want to encourage you, don't quit, don't give up. We're almost home. And I want to give you a couple other things before we, before we wrap it up tonight. I want to do it quick, okay? Uh, so the power that we see in verse number seven is in weak, broken vessels. So we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Do you think anybody was looking at the excellency of the power of Paul when God turned this world upside down and king's knees were shaken and jails were broke open? He was about as feeble and broke down physically He didn't lift one finger against all that. In fact, he got down on his knees and got down lower and lower and lower. Do you think uh, the lives that were affected, do you think, can can I tell you, see, our response to this suffering is so crucial. Our, Our ability to be able to suffer right. I started reading more and I've jotted down some highlights. I might get to them and I may not. Um, and the life of David Brainerd. Many of you have probably read much about this man who really has done more for many preachers and missionaries than probably anybody. And you know what's interesting about these men like Spurgeon and men like David Brainerd? Wesley even admitted that he omitted a lot out of his biography of the reality of that man's sufferings and pains. And was showing more, not on purpose in a sense to hide anything, but he was trying to encourage others uh, to be able to see what heart that man had for the gospel to get the gospel out. But uh, if you read most of his own accounts of his own words, he was a depressed and lonely, discouraged person in his flesh. And you think, how in the world could a man like that 
Listen, he was so important. Uh, I wish I could get to some of these things. I want to get to them here in just a minute because I want to encourage you. You say, well, I'm no David Brainerd. We don't know that. We didn't know that until he died. As far as we know, we don't even know if Wesley knew him until he died. And John Wesley asked the question, he said, how are we going to revive a dead work? And he said, he said his, his, his exhortation was to those preachers that every man read carefully the life of David Brainerd. And you read about this man's life. All that man did was suffer. He died when he was 29, never traveled more than a few hundred miles from his home. Kind of the man of modern missions, is he not, Brother Ben? I'm sure Brother Ben's read his life. Okay. Weak and frail. Anybody ever read Spurgeon's accounts of his depression? You ever read some of the things his wife has written about him? How he suffered in doubts and depressions and fears and anxieties? Now, I'm not encouraging those things because they're not good for us. I'm not encouraging that whatsoever. But I am encouraging you this. You're not alone in your suffering. There's a lot of great Christians and great men of God that have been some of the weakest people you could ever know. And this man, Paul, was probably right up there at the top of him if it came to the opinion of himself. He saw himself as nothing, didn't he? He had a very low opinion of himself. Now, we don't have many accounts of a lot of those things, but uh, uh, we do have in the life of many other great Christians with, that were going through a lot of trials and afflictions. And then you know what you do? You sit there and beat yourself down for being down. I do. But then I read things like this, and it doesn't encourage me to be more depressed. I hope, it, I hope I'm not doing that tonight, do you? I'm trying to encourage you through your depression, through your darkness, through your discouragement, through your affliction, and through your trials, and let you know that you're not the only Christian and the only person in this building that's ever suffered like that. There's many of us here probably suffering from things like that. And... Uh, and what he wants, what, what Paul, what the Holy Ghost is taking into account here is the fact that we are in earthen vessels. You can't deny that. My flesh is just as weak now as it's ever been, if not weaker. My flesh doesn't anymore want to pray or do the will of God now than it did 13 years ago. Does yours? Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to smack somebody, Lord help me. Be my next verse. I threw that one in for Brother Ray. And here this man is, is uh, 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 Paul is writing to us under inspiration, the Spirit of God, and he's talking about not fainting in this ministry. And he says, don't forget that you have this treasure in earthen vessels. You can't not deny the fact that people are still in broken bodies that suffer pain. They suffer depression. That we suffer in these bodies. Some of us just have natural, there, there's natural chemical problems with some of our bodies. We are in broken earthen vessels. Now, he says that, that the excellency of the power may be of God. But it's a reminder to you and me of what we're carrying this gospel in. Amen. And so, while it's not excusing any of our failures, he is reminding us and he is telling us, he, God, knows and has needs no man to testify, for he knows what is in man. Yes. Amen. Amen. 
And he says, you have this treasure in earthen vessels. So let's look as he lays this out, what all he's talking about. The first thing he mentions, can I say this real quick? Oh, I've used my time again. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this quick. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this quick. Uh, don't forget also, you might be in a weak vessel, a broken vessel, a vessel you feel like it's not fit for anything, and it's not. It's fit for the fire. You'd be right about that. Though you may be in a weak vessel, Brother Ben, Though you may be in a vessel that's having all kinds of physical problems that, that wants you to really start thinking about, I don't know if I can really go through with all this when you're suffering like that. I don't know if it's worth all this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And really when you're physically sick and you're physically suffering, it takes on your whole world. Am I telling it right? You lose sight of everybody else. And he said, you've got this treasure in earthen vessels, so don't forget this. You've got, you, you, may, you may be in an earthen, broken, weak vessel, but there's the excellency of the power. Don't forget that. So if the excellency, which is talking about uh, more of the glory of it, more of the recognition of it, that people see of the excellency, the power is still there, also inside the same earthen vessel. So that the excellence of power. So yeah, I may be in weakness. I may be frail. I may get depressed at times. I may doubt. I may fear. I may have times of trouble in my flesh. But there's also a power available to me that can overcome my flesh. I'm not giving in to this old flesh and going to quit because there's a world dying without Jesus and God's got the power to help me overcome it. So yeah. We're laughed to scorn, we're mocked, we're ridiculed, we're, we're made fun of, we're, we're, we're on every side he talks about problems. Read with me. Verse number eight. We're troubled on every side. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Anybody ever had this all? All I'm trying to do is try to do something for God. <laughs> and it's every place I turn, there's a problem. Anybody ever feel like they ought to raise your hand? You don't need to because I know you have. Brother E, if it ain't your foot hurting, it's the car's broke down. You're on your way to visit a widow. You're trying to do what God told you to do. And then it's not the reed curse, it's that broken vessel. It's the reed curse. Oh, it's the reed curse. And you're on your way to do something for God. All you're trying to do is what God expects you to do. And what could be better than visiting a widow? And you would think God would do nothing but provide that great paved highway we heard the other day. And it just singing, you know, whistling Dixie, amazing grace all the way down there. And then all of a sudden, here comes somebody out of nowhere, hits you on the side, the thing breaks down, the battery goes out, and then you get out, and then uh, before you know it, somebody else comes by, and then there's a problem here, and then before you know it, the phone rings, and somebody that thinks that, they don't, that you don't have any time calls you, and says, while you're at it, stop by over here and mow my yard and do this and do that, and it's just one thing after another. And you think, God, I'm trying to go this way, and then there's a problem this way, and I think, well, okay, I'll turn left, and you turn left, and boom, there's a problem. You know what, I'm just going to turn around and go home, you can't even make it back home. That's trouble on every side. Brother Ben, you're just trying to get the gospel out to the regions beyond that like God told you, and here you can't even hardly move. You're in the hospital. 
And then you can't get in the hospital. And then you just take your RV down there and you just want to get it to repair it. An RV you use for Jesus and it breaks down on you. <laughs> now, I've, I've graduated a little bit beyond some of this childishness. But, but there has been many times in my life that I thought, Lord, what do you want? <laughs> I'm just trying to serve you. Troubled on every side. That's what he's talking about, trouble on every side. How would you like to see Jesus the way Paul did and be struck down, be filled with the Holy Ghost and God give him directions, spend three and a half years, uh, three years in the backside of the desert and saw no man receive the Lord and go out as the apostle of the Gentile and preach the gospel and every place you go, everybody tries to kill you. And everybody's such a coward and don't want to die too, they leave you to stand all by yourself with just you and God. I'd be pretty discouraged. Of course, I'm so selfish, I'd be, on their, uh, I'd be online telling them all what cowards they are. But Paul didn't. He was full of the Holy Ghost, see. And Paul, if there was a man that was ever just constant troubles everywhere he went, if he'd go to one town, they wanted to put him in prison. And all he's trying to do is do something for God. So we're already seeing one thing. Why is that? The excellency of the power may be of God. God specializes in situations where it's humanly impossible. <laughs> Who else could do it but God? When the doctors sit there and tell you what they tell you, Hunter, and they say all this stuff to you, and they say, oh, well, you've not got much. You're going to end up back here in, the, in, the, uh, in surgery, and they're going to be cutting you to all to pieces, and you're going to be having this problem, that problem, this problem, the other, and they're saying all this stuff to you. What they forget about is a creator God that's in the heaven. Amen. They counted God out. Right. <laughs> of a problem, they don't even know what it is. Isn't that cute? The excellency of the power may be of God, but can I encourage you tonight? We're going, we're going to move on quickly. So we're troubled on every side. So I, I, I label this in verse number eight, uh, uh, the problems uh, uh, that uh, are listed here. We see our problems, but we're not distressed. And so uh, let's finish reading this verse. We're troubled on every side. That'd be the problems, yet not distressed. And, and uh, this, mean, this word has its primary meaning as misery. It has more than just that, that uh, anguish. It comes from a word that's also translated into anguish. Do any of you know what a, what a ship does when they're out before it goes down and says there's no hope of anything as, of us being rescued. There's no hope in me being able to save this ship. It is going down. What do they send out? A distress signal. Panic has set in and it's over. <laughs> Thank God somebody like Paul's on the ship going, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. <laughs> but uh, some folks like me are over there going, oh, it's over. We're all going to die. You ain't heard a distress call until you've heard me call out. That's a distress. It's over. Trouble's on every side, and it's over. There's nothing that we can do. It's all over. Send up the smoke signal. We're good. Somebody's going to have to rescue. It's over. We're never to the point, though there's trouble on every side, there's never a point where you and I got to wave the white flag and give in to surrender. Well, I can't make it. Send out the distress signal. <laughs> So yeah, you're troubled on every side. Yeah, you're hurting in your body. Yeah, this is going on on your left, on your right, front, behind. You're troubled everywhere you turn in this ungodly world. But you're never in distress. Amen. There's never a point where you're just done for. 
Cyrus, you've gotten to a point here lately where you felt like I'm just not going to make it. You talk to me about it. I've been the same place you are where I feel like I'm not going to get through this right here. I'm not going to make it. Anybody else felt that way? There's no way I'm going to make it through this. I've come here before and I've failed. I've gotten here before and I've failed. And this happened, that happened. And fear grips your heart and I'm not going to make it. That would be the feeling of distress. You're not distressed. We felt distressed, all of us have. But you're not distressed. You're not in misery. Why? Because we've always got a direct line to the throne of God. Never distressed. There's troubles on every side. There's troubles on every side in some of our life. And you've been able to come in here this evening. You've been able to come in here this morning and raise your hands up and say, Hallelujah, glory to God. (laughs) Some of you shouting when you ought to be crying. Why is that? Because you might be having problems, but you're not in distress. Don't let yourself get distressed. It's easy to feel that way. Feelings just come and go. We've been talking about that a lot lately. I've felt distressed many a times. Read the verse. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. That's the facts. Does it mean that I don't feel distressed? Now, somebody as calm as me, I don't have any stress. But folks like you, that get stressed a lot. And... uh, Got high blood pressure and everything else because you can't just calm yourself down a little bit. <laughs> now, this is talking spiritually, right? Spiritually speaking, we're not in distress. We're, we, you, could, you can have trouble on every side and be so full of joy, it's beautiful. And uh, that's what happened the other morning. I, I, I told brother, a preacher friend of mine, I tried every way in the world to get down and depressed. My flesh kind of enjoys being depressed a little bit. It doesn't enjoy it, but it's almost somehow like we glorify it. We, feed, we certainly feed it, I can say that. Amen. And, uh, and boy, I was trying every way in the world just to feel bad for myself. And uh, God just wouldn't let me. I had a good cry. I was going up there to see Hunter in the hospital. And I got the kids up, woke them up, put them in the car, and, uh, and turned on the YouTube of a, a certain church service. And I turned it on as their Wednesday night service. And uh, it comes up on my notifications, those red dots that I can't deal with. My OCD made me click on it. But it was God helping me. And I was telling Tyler, wasn't I? I was telling you, I was down, wasn't I? I was down. Was I down? And you talk about down, buddy. I I was down. God, I don't understand why you do this. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't say everything. God, I don't understand why you do this. What about them? They don't, they don't even go. They don't even try. These people, don't, these people, you know, anybody ever done that? So you're doing your best to tell God how good you are and you don't deserve none of this and all that, you know. And, and we're riding down through there and I was trying my best just to feel down. I was going to just, you know, really just bite on. And I was, and I turned that stuff on and I got to, I didn't really like the first stuff. I tried to skip through it a little bit, just see if anything went on on it. And I got down through there and the brother started singing that song, Beyond the Sunset. And that don't mean nothing to you, but... I was so down and God, God just used that man singing that song, Miss Rosie, beyond the sunset. And I, I got to just thinking about, man, what am I even worried about the sufferings of this life? Because they're not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us hereafter. And I just got to look at Jesus again. 
God just wouldn't even let me get down. He didn't give me any answers. He didn't even give me any direction that I was really praying for and needed. All he let me do was rise above my little depressive moment and get my eyes back on Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, there's trouble on every side, Christian, but you are not in distress. Don't give up, don't quit, don't give in. There's a world dying and a God worth glorifying. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, so we see the, the problems, yet we're not distressed. And I'll give this last one. Let's go home tonight, okay? So we are perplexed. But not in despair. Now I'm done with this one, I promise you tonight. So we see our problems, but not distressed. We see that we're perplexed at times, but we're not in despair. I don't know why I'm so excited about this. I'm just excited about it. I hope this helps you. I want to read you something. We'll go home. Young people. Some of you are facing questions and problems and it's, it's overtaken your whole life. And you feel like you're absolutely perplexed. Anybody ever felt that way? I have felt perplexed lately. Let me give you this quickly. At a loss in a desperate situation where there seems no way out. The inability to deal with or understand situations. Perplexed. God, I don't understand. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what you even want me to do. You ever felt perplexed? God, I don't understand why you allowed this to happen. God, I don't understand what you want me to do. Hey, I've come to the point, Brother Ben, I'm willing to accept it. I stood out there that morning and told God, I don't, whatever you do, I'm going to serve you anyway. I just need to know what you want me to do. I'm going to love you, God. You deserve me to love you no matter what goes on. I've, I, I'm, God's helped me to get there. Look, I'm good by the grace of God. I'm just going to serve God no matter what befalls me by God's grace. But there's times I'm perplexed and I just don't understand. And this apostle's admitting here, there's times he's perplexed. I'm in a desperate situation. I don't understand. I don't even know how to get out of it. And he says, I'm, I'm per, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. This would be hopeless. Now, I'm going to stop here, Brother Bill. I don't understand it, brother. I don't understand it. I don't have a clue. I don't even try to understand what God's doing. I, I, I'm totally perplexed at times. I don't know where God wants me to turn right, turn left, go 20, go 30. I just, I try to overthink everything. And I, I don't understand a whole lot of stuff about what goes on. I just try to be obedient to God about the best I can and keep my mouth shut and not charge God foolishly like Job did. I want to do that. And, uh, but I don't understand. I've been perplexed. I don't understand what you want me to do, God. Are you in a situation tonight that you're perplexed? and you don't know what to do oh good you're listening real good because you think I'm going to tell you what to do I don't have a clue what to tell you to do <laughs> look up here I don't have a clue what to tell you to do I don't but I do know this by the grace of God I never have like a preacher stand on them things but I could tonight <laughs> this much I do know
You might be perplexed and you might not understand what's going on. You may not know what to do. And, and I hope you don't, but you're liable to make the wrong decision. You're liable to do that, Christian. I hope you don't. But this much I know, you are not in despair. You are not hopeless. God's not going to quit you. God's not going to give up on you. You're not without help. You've always got a way of escape from God. You've got hope. You've got hope. Can I give you something? Hope is a compound. Let me, let me give you, I'm going to give you something and we're going to go home. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to read it to you, the second part, because he lays out this compound, I'm going to say necessity here. Okay. Can you read this? Okay, I'm done, I promise. So, let me read you this. So, uh, well, I was kidding for a minute. No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, I don't want to miss this. This is, this is good. So, uh, okay. So, uh, hope properly is a compound emotion made up of a desire for an object and the expectation of obtaining it. Okay? Yeah. So, to have real hope, you've got desire in you for the thing. And there's a real expectation in you that it can actually be, be achieved. Right? That's real hope. It's not a wish that we have. We have a hope, which is sure and steadfast. That blessed hope, talking about Jesus coming back. It's a sure, there's a desire, even so come Lord, and it's a fact, this same Jesus that you saw shall come again. It's a blessed hope. And the glorious appearing. Okay, okay, let's, let's, we gotta be done. Okay, that doesn't mean anything when I'm saying it. So, Listen, it's compound. It's a desire for the object and the expectation of obtaining it. If there's no desire for it, or if the object is not pleasant and agreeable, there is no hope. Though there may be expectation. So there can be, there can be expectation, but no desire of it. So look at this, as in, a, as in an expectation of a pestilence, or a famine, or sickness, or death. If there's no expectation, but there's a strong desire for it, there is no hope. As in the case where there is a strong desire of wealth or fame or pleasure. Or where a man is condemned for murder and has a strong desire but no prospect of pardon. Or where a man is shipwrecked and has a strong desire but no expectation of being rescued and ever seeing his family and friends again. In such cases despondency and despair is the result. It is the union of the two feelings in proper proportions which constitutes hope. So what did he say? A desire and an expectation. Every perplexing and troubling situation that is in our life, we are never in despair where we have no hope. There is always a time where when you have a desire for an answer and a desire for the help and strength and mercy of God, there's a real expectation in my soul that there is a real, serious, and and, and loving God in the heavens that will give me mercy and grace in my time of need. I know he's going to help me. He may not help me in my time, Brother Easley, or how I want him to, but God will help you in your troubling situation. So you may be perplexed, but you're not in despair. We're, we're done. I, gave, I said I would be done. So we'll pick this back up. And I know, 
I know it seems like that you're so troubled. You just, but can I promise you, just keep on pressing on. You are not hopeless. You're not in despair. There's a great God in the heaven that promised to never leave you nor forsake you. I wish I could read some of these. Some of these. I waited too long to do it. We're going to get you that book. We want you to read it too. You know what his life verse, you know what verse that uh, David Brayer got saved on? When Jesus stood up and cried and said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And God, every troubling situation, every depressing moment, every horrible situation that he faced. I've got the journal entries in, in, the, in the same year, six different times where he talked about and referenced that same verse where he was thirsty. And God said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. <laughs> Woo! Better stay in your Bible. God will help you. So I'm perplexed. I'm troubled. You're not in distress and you're not in despair. God loves you and will not leave you. Thank the Lord. We love you tonight. We've got to, got to stop somewhere. Lord, I love you. Thank you for the good service tonight. Thank you for the loving heart of these people. The giving hearts that are here, the men and the ladies of this church, we love them dearly and we thank you for them. And Lord, thank you for this book. Thank you for the hope we have deep down in our soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth within the veil. Thank you for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing. Lord, you have many times left many of us perplexed. And we don't have the understanding we want to. And the feelings that we have just go and the emotions are right up and down. And, but thank you for the facts that we're not in distress and we're not in despair. We love you. Please help those struggling tonight. There's many that are sick and afflicted and some that are battling depression and just doubts and fears and all kinds of things tonight. And I just pray, Lord, you'd show yourself mighty and help them to see that they're not without hope and they're not without help. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet. It's a moment. We'll be dismissed. Brother Reed's going to sing. If you need to come, you come on. Ask the Lord to help you tonight.